This is the Squared Goal Podcast with Mark Morris and Jared Meruyama. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Squared Co. Podcast. I am your host, Mark Morris, and with me again, Mr. Jared Mariyama. What's going on, Jared? Hey, Mark. Good to be here. You know, I wanted to start, before we do anything else, I wanted to say, uh, I felt like we should say thank you to <laughs> all of the guests that we've had this far. Because I think I was looking back on all the mm. episodes, and we have been very fortunate this early in the recording process to have some uh, really great people on the show, uh, which is, you know, kind of good and bad. Like we're terrible at yes. this skill <laughs> and no, we're, I, we're already talking to some of these. I, uh, I totally these agree. People. We're going to have to circle back to some of these guests because I think maybe like the first 50 episodes, we're going to be pretty terrible and like not know how to navigate this thing. And you're right, we have had some really great and notable um, artists on, so we're going to have to go back and have them back on once we are a little bit better at this podcasting it, thing. We can probably do it like the uh, Star Wars special editions. We'll just go back and we'll take out like the bad things and fix the audio and, <laughs> you know, add in a dance number and then, you know, just sort of polish it up. Yeah, for, a- anytime for you add a song in dance, it's nothing bad can ever happen. Exactly. And tonight... Yes, tonight no difference. we are, uh, there's another great artist here for our guests with today's episode. He is the super talented illustrator. You've probably seen a lot of his work through the Mondo Gallery, um, but his name is Kevin Tong. What's going on, Kevin? Welcome to the show. Oh, hey guys. Doing good. Thanks Yay. for inviting me. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> Thunderous applause uh, for Mr. Yeah. Tong. <laughs> so, uh... So- we, oh, there you go. I, I met Kevin, um, well, I've, I mean, I've been a fan of his work for a while. I've got several of his posters, um, and a lot of them I would like to have, but they sell out so freaking quickly, and then on the black market, they're like hundreds of dollars, so I'm not rich enough to have as many as I'd like, but um, I was able to actually meet Kevin face-to-face at Comic-Con this year. Um, oh. I bribed him with a Rocketeer pin, hoping to get him on the show. I don't know mm. if it worked or if he's just a super nice guy and would have gone on the show regardless. But thank you for for joining us today, Kevin. <laughs> oh no, no way, man, no problem. I would have I would have given you the Rocketeer pin to be on this podcast. So, <laughs> so you want to give you want to be an Indian giver and give back my pin? <laughs> uh, no, no deal. So how was? <laughs> How was Comic-Con for you this year, Kevin? Oh, I mean, it, it's always a blast uh, to do mm-hmm. that. I mean, just the sheer volume. Um, but also, uh, this year, uh, I found myself a lot more relaxed because, you know, I don't know, I've, I've just gotten it down to the point where nothing really surprises me at Comic-Con mm-hmm. anymore, so I can just relax, hang out with friends. So yeah, this year it was really good, but in addition to that, the bonus was I just found myself less stressed out. So when when you set up for these booths or the yeah your booth at these conventions, how do you decide what you're gonna bring and not bring? Is it just everything you have that hasn't sold out yet, or do you kind of curate what your booth is gonna look like? Um, a little bit of a little bit of well, like it all goes in hand with the whole um, you know, uh, getting it down. So before I used to just t- scrape the bottom of the flat file. 
mm-hmm. and be like, oh man, I, didn't, I don't have anything left. And now I uh, deliberately put aside certain portions of everything. Um, right. Like people that come to my booth regularly know that like they don't have to, to, to wait online and do the refresh the page and try to fight that crowd. If they just make it to my mm-hmm. booth early, like I mm-hmm. save everything um, at, for my booth events like MondoCon and Comic-Con. Um, so this is something, and you don't have to give out numbers with this, but I know that as part of your deal with like dealing uh, with Mondo and a lot of these other galleries, you get APs. Um, do you, like, when you sell your APs, do you sell them at cost that the gallery was doing, or do you do like kind of an, an upcharge for those? Um, I mean, usually I just, uh, like... I'll sell this them is for. this is something that uh you know I've talked to other artists about in the past like trying to figure out if what what's a good strategy for coming up with that number because if it sells out really quickly you know that there's a demand for it and you know that people might be willing to pay more so <clears throat> is there like a strategy for you coming up with these um these numbers I don't know what uh, other artists do but um I definitely d- uh, would never sell it for less than what right. Mondo retailed it for because, you know, then you start creating a system of, oh, well, let's not buy it from Mondo who is, you know, the, 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 the beneficiary or the, you know, the, the cool person sure. in this mm-hmm. equation and they'll just wait for the artist to sell it for cheaper. So you don't want to do that. You want to sell it at least as much, if not a little bit more. Mm-hmm. And the, the little bit more part, that part comes in um, kind of because, yeah, if the market, you know, demands it, but also if you sell it for, if the market... Uh, price for that print has jumped beyond like the retail price. Let's just say mm-hmm. Mondo sold it for fifty, and then if if people are selling it, uh, like I don't know, I don't know, like uh, on eBay or whatever for like eighty bucks, and you sell it for fifty, then you know that's just going to lure in those kind of people who mm-hmm. have all sorts of ways to get the posters online ahead of you know the average person. Right, and they're going to sell it and make a profit. Whereas if you sell close to market price, which you should, because you know if you're the person that created it, um, mm-hmm. then it's less desirable for those. Uh, they're called flippers to come after you, and it leaves yeah. your shop more open to like you know the average person, you know who yeah. That's a good answer. That makes sense. So we wanted to kind of start off before we, because I have a million questions for you about your work, but <laughs> we were going to start off talking a little bit about um, some of the pop culture stuff. Now, obviously you work in a lot of uh, pop culture subjects with the galleries and, and your prints, but um, would you consider yourself a, a pop culture kind of guy in general? Like, are you big on uh, TV film and all that stuff? Oh yeah. Um, I love, like, I, I just, I love movies. I mean, everything I've done, like for like pop culture stuff, bands, uh, film, books, mm-hmm. you know, whatever. It's all stuff I love. Um, and uh, that kind of helps with the creative process because I don't know if I could really do a good job if I wasn't into something. Um, okay. Yeah. What, you, so you like what was the – oh, go ahead, Mark. You mentioned bands. What was uh, – What do you remember – because I think in the scope of like screen printed posters and prints – it was gig posters first and then the movie poster screen print world kind of took off after that. Do you remember what your first uh, gig poster gig was? Oh Which yeah. You had, um, who, who was that? The very first gig poster I did was, Oh shucks. Back in, um, September of, uh, I think it was September 21st, 2007. 
Oh, um, wow, you remember the exact date yeah. too. <laughs> well, yeah, because I, I hand, I hand when you hand draw the the letters, <laughs> you're gonna. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That's uh, right. It was for. Uh, I can't remember the band. No. Um, <laughs> just, just the date. I only yeah. remember the date. That's what you get for using Comic Sans for the band, but hand drawing all the minutia. Um, <laughs> uh, no, the band was built to spill. That was my very first gig poster. And it was. And that- how did? Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. How, how did you get that gig poster? Did was it? Did you did you uh, like ask them to do it? Did they ask you to do it? Uh, I don't remember how the conversation went down. I think first I sent an email to the band because um, mm-hmm. you know they have their info at whatever dot com. Sure. And then they were like, the reply was pretty much along the lines of, "Look, man, I don't give a we don't give a shit about that stuff. Talk to someone who does." <laughs> <laughs> like you know, like we're a band, not a merch company. So I'm like, Hardcore. I'm like, oh, okay. So then I emailed the the venue and then they're like, oh yeah, we, yeah. Cause house of blues has a tradition of oh. doing gig posters. Um, mm-hmm. a lot of venues do. And then, um, so yeah, that's how I got set up with that one. But the second poster I did was for the shins. Um, oh. like not, not long after. And that was through contacting the band and then they were just the exact opposite. Like, Oh yeah, we love posters. We went to your website. Cool. We'd love to have you do something. And I was like, huh, oh, this, awesome. this feels like a trap. Like it was too easy. <laughs> you know? uh, yeah. Is is our gig poster something you still do regularly, like uh in your freelance today? Uh not as much, but I'm actually working on one right now while I'm talking to you guys. Uh, <laughs> I haven't done I haven't done one in a while. Super multitasker here. So then when you're doing these gig posters and, and you were just saying about how, you know, it helps if you're into the, the property, uh, do you take these on as they come to you? Do you just take the ones that you kind of are interested in doing? Like, how do you sort of how do you sort of find that work and like decide what you're going to do with gig posters? Well, man, when I first got into gig posters, I was, um, you know, I was always having to contact the bands. Mm-hmm. Uh, but after a while, like, you know, even though there's like a million bands, there's really only a handful of, uh, managers like that are successful enough where they can, you know, afford custom posters. Cause mm-hmm. a lot of bands will just have like, you know, some merch company put slapped together, some clip art and mm-hmm. do the thing. So there's not that many that are. And so once you do one, a thing for, I don't know, once you work with third man, and then, mm-hmm. then, you know, you get stuff for like white stripes and then you get stuff for, um, I don't know, rock and tours, dead weather, but then it's not just one management. They work with other management teams, same I company see. as like the shins, mm-hmm. um, and vice versa. Yeah. So they share yeah. you around, you become a, oh, cool yeah. Old, yeah. <laughs> um, so go ahead. Oh. Yeah. So Mark, for some reason, Mark does not watch uh, television, which I find really strange. Uh, are you a TV guy? Do you watch, what are you watching currently? You know, I don't really like uh, network TV that much. Mm-hmm. There's very few shows sure. that are on now, like new ones in the last like, right. like 10 years that I just had to watch. Um, like the only exception being like Hannibal maybe. Um, okay. I, I like uh, cable TV. I like right. like Netflix digital TV. Sure. Like I like, so I what, like episode format. Yeah. yeah. What, what have you been binge watching anything lately? Man, I just crushed a bunch of Netflix shows. Uh, <laughs> oh, okay. Or a bunch of just Netflix content. Um, uh, I'm watching Master of None season two again. Uh, right, oh. right now, so good. Um, yeah. God, what else? 
it's been really good. I, I watched Ozark. I didn't. I liked it, but I didn't quite buy into all the hype. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, like there were some really good things about it, but I always said that I feel like Jason Bateman has spent his entire career convincing us he would not get into this kind of trouble. Yeah, like just, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like it, and the and I I don't kind of care for a lot of the characters in there, but his whole we did fun. watch the whole thing. It centers on his family, and and none of them are terribly likable. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Yeah. Like, yeah, like the most likable people are the people that are working against the protagonist, the an- the antagonist. Uh-huh. <laughs> like that that crime dude uh, that he launders the money for is pretty slick. I like watching him on screen. Ruth is cool. Mm-hmm. Her her family, her trailer park family, is way more interesting than they are. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I would agree. Have Have you watched that, Mark? Did you watch any of Ozark? No, I haven't. But yeah, it, I didn't. You guys aren't giving me roaring. Uh, <laughs> roaring reviews here so i don't know if i'm anxious to go jump on that um the, the netflix original content that is good yeah like mm-hmm. like 100 glowing reviews for me would be third season of black mirror um yeah you know i'm sure everyone's been talking your guys ear off about that um less known as what happened to monday i just watched that last night that's a great movie i like hmm. it it's got that was original netflix well, I mean, like they're not a studio. They just they you know it's like they just brand it, but like they fund oh, okay. like you know they yeah. So someone was already making it probably, and they're like, gotcha. hey, you want us to Thomas Edison this deal by putting our name on it? <laughs> and it's like, <laughs> and you know, indie filmmakers like yeah, because it wasn't going to go anywhere anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's just a film. It's not a series or an episodic thing. No, it, it's yeah, it's a it's a film that um, Netflix has on their platform. Um, okay. I mean, I think the same thing goes with their shows. I don't think they're actually really making it. They just kind of put their names on it. Right. right buy right. it in the end um, and make it exclusive to their, their platform. Um, but one thing that you do do that's really cool um, with this pop culture and TV viewing, uh, you use your social media as like a platform for pop culture commentary. Um, I, there's there's this new trend that I'm seeing with a lot of artists where they'll – it's like they're so – their their normal feed and their posts is where the art exists. And then they have a second voice that is their Instagram stories. A lot of people will like share photos and video of their kids or their pets, but you took a very different approach with how you're going to use your Instagram stories. And I love it because this is kind of how I get a gauge at if I might be interested in um, looking into a new like movie or TV series, I'll just check out the Kevin Tong Instagram stories and you've got like all this behind the scenes knowledge. Um, and it's like you go episode by episode or throughout the whole movie, just whatever you're watching with this, this commentary, almost like, uh, what was that VH one? Like the, the pop up videos, the you've like little like tidbits of information, um, as you're watching the video. But anyways, uh, how did you come to like, this idea to do this with and utilize your Instagram stories, um, you know, for this purpose. Uh, I was feeling really alienated because I was on like this intense project that I couldn't break away from. Mm-hmm. And uh, like, and my friends would be like, Hey Kevin, we're going to have like an insane, like Roman orgy or something. And I'm like, oh, I, can't, <laughs> I can't guys, I got to work on this thing. Are you sure? Scarlett Johansson is going to be in on it. No, I, I, guys, I'm sorry. I can't. What, what if important. it was a Greek orgy? Well, that's, that be, that, you know, that, that's, 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 yeah, I mean, you can't, say, you can't say no to that. <laughs> <laughs> the client's like, where, where was the, 
why haven't you turned into a thing? You're never going to work in this town again. Oh, well, sorry, I was... I was in a Roman orgy. Not good enough. Oh, did I say Roman? I meant Greek. Oh, geez. Okay. Uh, <laughs> all good. All good. Take all the time you need. Take all the time. So, but yeah, um, I watch, uh, I watch lots, lots and lots of shows while I'm working. Like I burned through whole seasons in like one day. I think mm. I, I watched, uh, I started, I had never seen Game of Thrones. For example, I'd never seen Game of Thrones mm-hmm. and it was, uh, it was midway through season six. I caught up in like less than a week. And oh. <laughs> it was really intense. Like I was rocking myself to sleep at night. <laughs> like he, like they just, he just crushed his head. Like you know. And, and so yeah, so I just I'm able to burn through these things. And then um, after I'm done watching stuff, I love reading about it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like going to Wikipedia, hopping on fan forums, and just reading other people's opinions, or watching like YouTube videos about mm-hmm. like like an analysis and stuff. Mm-hmm. And so I just started, like I said, I was kind of feeling like really lonely because I was just working all the time and, yeah. um, and not hanging out. So I was just, that was my way of socializing was, hey, here's some, some shit that normal people don't have time to, to, <laughs> to ever think about. But here it is in a really pieced out and assembled for you nicely, you know. <laughs> so do you, do you spend time um, like you watch the movie or the TV show and then you go research it and then you'll come back to the IG stories and share your newfound knowledge with the world? Uh, sometimes. Most of the time I already knew that because, um, like, I don't know. It's like, like, I feel like humanity moves way too, uh, at least um, non, non-New York Americans move way too slowly for me. Like, <laughs> like, like, everyone looks like they're in slow motion. So I'm constantly just like just kind of waiting for people to get out of the way or, or to like, for instance, whenever I have to pay for my parking pass at a garage, I'm always stuck behind the one person that can't figure out how that machine works. <laughs> so, and this isn't like a critique on, um, it is, but it's not like, I mean, <laughs> I mean, people are going to do what they're going to do. That's fine. It doesn't make them bad people. Um, right, uh, right. but it does afford me a lot of time to be like, ah, oh, you know, like to to sit there and just look up, open up Wikipedia really quick, and uh, I don't know, read about like Black Mirror or something, and then that's just information I have stored away for later. <laughs> you know, to to bring to bring dates to a grinding halt. Because <laughs> everybody so needs that. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of interesting, though. Where did like has that how you've been all your life, where you feel like uh, things are moving too slow for you, or did it come on later as as an adult? I guess I've always been that way because yeah, I've always I've always had to wait for stuff. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I'm just uh, I can't stress how much this isn't like oh I'm some sort of like super soldier Ubermensch. No, it's just <laughs> like I, I I eat fast, I walk fast, I talk fast, mm-hmm. and I don't know. Just these and so yeah, mm-hmm. I just find myself having a lot of like downtime. Yeah. No, I I totally relate to that too because I I think I'm the same way in that. Uh, I feel like I am always behind the the person that's taking too long or that's deciding to uh, that pulls out the checkbook at the grocery store and you're like, oh my god, what's happening <laughs> yeah. right now? Uh, so I feel you know a lot of cussing, a lot of impatience, but um, that's good that you're able to use the time constructively. <laughs> oh yeah, no, I, I recommend it. Yeah, next time you're doing that, just just pull out your phone and, and read about like you know whatever you, the last thing you saw was. <laughs> yeah. So. I- have you gotten a lot of response, like positive response from that, from your followers? Are they en- engaging more with you because of these these videos, and these Instagram stories? 
Yeah, that was like the the talk of the town. Well, um, because <laughs> the, the 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 best the one that I have the most information on is like Star Trek, right? Mm. And so it wasn't just Voyager because everyone's like, I didn't think it was possible for anyone uh, with a life to know that much about Star Trek Voyager. And I'm just like, well, <laughs> it's not just Voyager; it happened to be the one I was watching. I know about all of them um, <laughs> and stuff. But yeah, so that was everyone at Comic Con was like, "Dude, I've been loving your stories, man. It's making me like want to rewatch the series." I'm like, cool, thanks. That's awesome. <laughs> so what is your favorite Star Trek, e- e- whether it's movies or uh, TV series? Uh, I'm not a huge fan of the, the new movies. Um, mm-hmm. uh, I, th- I think they're okay. They're, they're just okay. Um, I like the – probably my favorite series. It just it, it fluctuates between among Deep Space Nine, Voyager, it's almost always Next Generation. That's the one that usually wins. Now, do you do, have you uh, like rewatched the series several times? Oh yeah, I do marathons. And right before um, Netflix took away X Files, they used to do like X Files marathons at least two, three times a year. Wow. <laughs> I, I mean, I mean, this is all while I'm working. It's not like I'm sitting there like right, right. Um, <laughs> so, so like, I, yeah, I do Star Trek, like from from the pilot episode that didn't have James T. Kirk. It had uh, Chris Pine or uh, not Chris Pine. What's his freaking name? Um, I'm already blanking out. Uh, you know, that other dude. Um, yep. Who Kevin was Sorbo. Yes. <laughs> um, uh, and then all the way to the end of enterprise. I think That's you can cool. add professional binge watcher to your, your, uh, your resume for sure. I don't think so I've heard of anybody that can binge like you. You must be excited about the the new show that's coming. Have you have you looked into that much, or are you just waiting to see? Uh, but one of the best decisions I ever made in my life was to stop watching trailers for anything. Mm. Um, yes, I'm right there with you. Like, <laughs> yeah, they totally just ruin things for everything. And so yeah. I don't know anything about that show. I don't know who's in it. I know that Brian Fuller is the showrunner. So that, that gives me some confidence because I like um, I like everything he's on. Like I liked American Gods, you know. Are you a Star Trek guy, Mark? Did you watch? Because I I didn't watch Star Trek. I think ever. I've only <laughs> seen the movies. I've never got into any of the TV. Um, yeah, the TV shows. So if we do a Star Trek uh, roundtable, we'll have to have Kevin back on then. For oh, sure. there's he could probably just take over the episode and talk for <laughs> the whole hour. <laughs> we'll take that episode off. He can lead it. <laughs> We'll just Any give day. you an open platform to just talk Star Trek for an hour and see what happens. Oh, man. <laughs> that would get out of hand really quickly. So did you watch uh, Lost? Were you a Lost guy? Yeah, I liked Lost a lot. Um, I didn't. I really kind of think the show really should have ended at season five. So were you disappointed with how they ended it, or where did you stand on that? Uh, I mean, yeah, the episodes, they just started going down in quality. And that, that's that's when a show just shouldn't go on any longer. It's when yeah. the episodes start reaching a lot. And yeah, like I think it should have just ended with, uh, spoiler alert, with the bomb going <laughs> off. Like the screen. <laughs> like that would have been preferable to, for me than mm-hmm. all that stuff we got about reincarnation and Alice and Janie being like an ancient person with her, mm-hmm. with her obviously East Coast voice. Um, <laughs> like, like, you know, just, yeah, like, I would rather have, yeah, just that incredibly tense moment where Juliet mm-hmm. is like crying. She's like covered in blood and dirt and hitting the, the bomb with a rock. And then it just yeah. goes to white. It's like, hey, that's all right. That's cool. 
There you go. I'd rather that's have no I, answers than, than shitty answers, basically. That's how I feel about Rogue One. <laughs> oh, man. But we've already had this discussion. <laughs> I want to hear it. Okay, well, Jared Jared hates when I do stuff like this, but I'm going to do it anyway because you asked, and you are our guest. Um, I totally think that, well, for one, I don't think Vader needed to be in the movie at all. That was 100% just fanfare, and he didn't add anything to the story at all, including the ending when he like went apeshit on all the Rebels. Um, it was really fun and it was cool to see him, but it was completely unnecessary and didn't add anything to the story. Um, but my biggest complaint is that it should have ended when the the planet blew up at the end. Like that movie was about the characters that were there. So when they're when they that planet blows up and they all die, the story ends. They added that last scene for you know again fanfare, no reason. Yeah. Yeah, um, that would have been a beautiful ending if it just ended with yeah, that kind of Watchmen bomb ex- approaching embrace thing. Yeah, that I mean that's that's my two cents on the matter. I probably could <laughs> go on a little bit longer, but that's the condensed version for everybody. <laughs> oh, I totally agree. That's a great point, man. Yeah. Well, thank you, Kevin. I got somebody <laughs> on my side here for once. <laughs> I mean, I totally get like so that scene oh. with Vader going crazy was so much fun. It was a lot of fun, but it just didn't belong. All right, okay, we're done. We're done. We're done. <laughs> <laughs> um, what? So since we brought up Star Wars, um, I think the first like how you came on my radar and probably a lot of other people was your R two D two poster. Oh yeah. Um, what I like about you, like your work, you have like you're an incredible illustrator, but you you have like different styles where you can f- render really well. And then that R2-D2 and you did a follow-up uh, C-3PO print or poster more recently, It that's like a, like a design kind of poster. It's not a traditional illustrated poster. But I like the fact that you, you're more diverse and you can't look at a lot of like all of your posters and say like, oh, that's a tong because you're so diverse with your you know, your illustration skills. Um, but kind of switching gears over to the movie posters now was what was your first movie poster, I guess, or screen printed movie poster that you did? Was it that R2-D2 one or did you have some before then? I think I, I did some stuff that wasn't like official because I didn't really mm-hmm. know know at the time that that was even an issue. Um, right. You know, so, so young and uh and and needed the money uh, wow this sounds this sounds like i'm talking about a uh, doing porn <laughs> uh, uh let me i'm trying to think wow i haven't thought about that in a long time i don't think r2d2 was so it didn't have as big of an impact as the gig poster because you had that down to the minute <laughs> the, the what now your gig oh, poster oh. yeah yeah, well, th- these these memories are more are more embarrassing, so I try to bury them. I'm I'm actually digging <laughs> digging through like miles of of repression right now. Um, <laughs> no, uh, I think the the earliest like official movie poster I did was God. I don't even think it was official because this is before Mondo was even uh, official, mm-hmm. and it was run by um, Tim Doyle from Nakatomi. Mm-hmm. Uh, I did it. I did a poster for that '80s movie with Diane Lane called Streets of Fire. Oh, Willem <laughs> Dafoe's in it too. Um, mm-hmm. He looks like the bully from It. Um, well, I guess the movie's before It, so the bully, the bully from It 
look like Willem <laughs> Dafoe in Streets of Fire <laughs> with that misfits or yeah, the hair thing in the middle. Um, yeah. um, I know you're talking yeah. about. But yeah, it was such a bad poster. I drew it while I was uh, hanging out in Chicago with a Threadless Kids and I drew it <laughs> in a, a, a rundown hotel called the Heart O Chicago. Um, I was working in the hotel room at the time and then I did that. And then I think, oh, but right before, I, I was working on them at the same time as I was doing R2-D2. Um, this is when Mondo got legit. I was doing mm-hmm. something for the movie Moon. Oh, okay. Yeah, uh, for Sam Rockwell, right? Yeah, but not for Mondo. It was for um, All City or whatever that, that group that represented that movie was. I don't remember anymore. Um, yeah, th- I was working on both those at the same time. So now, uh, when you were doing these early ones, were these, uh, like I'm looking at the R2-D2 one, w- was this uh, Adobe Illustrator, I assume? Yes. And was that what you, when you first started, were you were you working exclusively in Illustrator or was that just suited that specific image? Um, well, there's like, a, if, you're, if you want to like see more stuff later, I actually have a full process video for that poster and the C3PO on YouTube. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, there's like links to it on my site. Um, or I watched the C3PO one, and it's it is amazing. I mean, you you have music obviously uh, over it, which is great. But the whole thing just plays like music. It's it's amazing. I'm such a fan of Illustrator as a tool that to to watch you do something so uh precise like that uh, is just it's it, so it's, great to it's watch. It's also frustrating, right? He's just like, he's doing all this stuff so, well, obviously it's sped up, but it's like, you're just doing it so perfectly and it comes out just looking awesome. Like, fuck, why can't I do shit that seamlessly? I mean, that's what Illustrator's for is like precision and like, you know, yeah. Um, Like you wouldn't want to use it to draw like Dr. Seuss stuff. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, I guess I... Like, I mean, that exact, that poster was what I used to do professionally because I used to design toys for a company in um, L.A. Uh-huh. Oh, cool. And that was kind of the system that I used was just because, you know, I wasn't, um, I would draw, like, uh, the instruction manual that showed, like, the batteries, like, mm-hmm. like you know, like, the lid floating off and then the batteries, like, with arrows and diagrams pointing into right. it, which actually uh, was also kind of what made me really want to start that other company, Inforama. Because mm-hmm. I just right. I love the, this the, I don't know this this part of me that's just like almost like sexually fascinated with diagrams <laughs> like I just love it um, and uh, yeah so it's, it's, that just kind of came from what I used to do professionally and then you know I hadn't really touched those skills that skill set uh, when I was doing gig posters because you know those you want them to look like look how free mm-hmm. and crazy these are right. Yeah. So when did you uh, first discover Illustrator? Was it something you learned in school as a tool or did you just learn it uh, as you were doing these posters or the job, I guess, before you started that job? I learned it. I learned a little bit of it in school, but like a lot of other illustrators, I found it frustrating and I was like, why does this thing (laughs) even exist, man? It's so stupid. (laughs) What what could you ever use it for? And then, um, uh, but I was having like a uh, hard time finding work, you know, like a lot of people right out of school. And so mm-hmm. I, I took this job at this company uh, called Lakeshore Learning. And that place uh-huh. is a freaking grindhouse. Oh, <laughs> like, like it just, they just churn work out and, and they make you do everything in Illustrator because, um, yeah. 
if you do it in Photoshop, it's kind of limited. Whereas mm-hmm. if you do it in Illustrator, you can resize and, and endlessly like scale move, it either scale way. Scale it, yeah. yeah. So they want you to do everything in Illustrator, um, right. and and uh, so they can get as they squeeze as much like uh, as much of a as many pennies out of your work as possible. <laughs> like I, it's been like over a decade since I worked there, and they're probably still reusing some of the some mm-hmm. of the, the the mad scientist vocabulary cards I've drawn. <laughs> um, yeah. And uh, so, but that place, like, it was kind of like the Navy SEAL boot camp of learning to use Illustrator. So I had to, like, tough up and, like, learn it really fast. When I, so after I, I worked there for about two years, and just to get, let you know how well-known and established Lakeshore is in the industry, because that when I went to go my toy job, they looked at my thing and said, oh, wow, you worked at Lakeshore? And I was like, yeah. They're like, you were there for two years? And I was like, yeah. Because a lot of people just quit because they just can't handle it. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, uh, I did tons of stuff for them. I can show it to you. And he's like, oh, no, it's good. You must know Illustrator inside and out, huh? And I was like, yeah, <laughs> I know it pretty well. Like, it's a resume piece to work at Lakeshore Learning. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I worked in the uh, children's educational software field for a while. Um, I'm sorry. And definitely, yeah, exactly. <laughs> definitely no Lakeshore Learning. I'm so but sorry. My, my illustrator story is pretty similar to yours too. I was forced to learn it when I first learned it. I absolutely hated it. Uh, and now I, and now I love it. Is it still your, uh, tool of choice or are you kind of going between all these different options that are out there now? You know, um, these days I almost never use it entirely. Like the mm-hmm. R2D2 and C3PO were done pretty much entirely in illustrator. Right. Um, because that's the look, um, yeah, but these days, you know, I kind of want to try to make things look a little more like artistic. Mm-hmm. Uh, I want to try to experiment more, and I think Photoshop you can you can do a little bit more of that stuff um, with textures and marks, you know, than yeah. you can with Illustrator. So now, if I use Illustrator, it's uh, mainly for custom text, or mm-hmm. um, or I'll draw like a really geometric thing, like a city or something like that, in, in Illustrator, but then take it into Photoshop and cut it apart so it's screen printable. Um, I wanted to, okay, so you mentioned the uh, the Inforama company. I So I'm very familiar with Inforama, but I didn't know that it was a company that you actually helped start. So was this was this 100% uh, you from the from the ground up, or did you partner up with somebody and create Inforama? Oh, man. Um, uh, the... I've always been friends with um, uh, Gary, who used to run Phone Booth Gallery. Um, we went to school together, and uh, that's the, out of Long Beach, right? Yeah, it was. It was yeah, when yeah. it was open. Um, yeah, it was great. He gave me some of my first, like, he gave me my. He, I think he gave. Yeah, he gave me my first solo show. Uh, my awesome. only, actually, my only solo show, um, <laughs> because every other show has been like, look, it's it's all these other guys and Kevin. Um, <laughs> like that's literally on the signage, like. <laughs> like dur- during my my uh, my Martin my show with Martin Anson, it was like it's the Martin Anson and Kevin. Like, I <laughs> know uh, I'm just kidding. Um, anyway, um, yeah. So uh, Gary was like, "Hey man, um, do you want to do like a show with like with like someone else?" Uh, and I was like, "Yeah, um, I just finished hanging out with Tom Whalen in Philadelphia. Tom's awesome, um, great art, uh, cool guy." And I was yeah, like, we, we had him on a couple episodes ago. Oh, cool. Yeah, he's super cool. And uh, so I was like, yeah, 
let's do that. But then he was kind of like, well, how would that, how would that work? Because you guys have vastly different styles. And I was like, let's find something that we could both kind of meet in the middle on. Mm-hmm. And, and then we just started talking and I was like, why don't we do like diagrams? And he was like, of what? And I was like, I don't know, educa- <laughs> educational stuff. And he was like, that's, that's brilliant. So we talked to Tom. Tom was just like gung ho instantly. And awesome. uh, that was back in 2014. So we did a show and then um, Mitch from OMG Posters uh, a few years later convinced me to turn it into a business. And then we did a show at Mondo Gallery too with me, Tom and Matt Taylor and we're hoping to yeah. do another one in the future, maybe in a year or two. So now, like, what's how does Inforama exist now? Is it do you come out with posters regularly, or is it just when you have these big shows? I know, I think at Comic Con you released a San Francisco print, um, but is this kind of just whenever you guys have time or a really good idea? Yeah, it's like it's both. Like if if we either have a good idea or it usually does boil down to time. Mm-hmm. Uh, cause right now, especially like, um, like Mondo's got me on some of the, some of the most like, you know, I mean, for me, profound stuff ever, um, like stuff I've never dreamed I'd have a chance of doing while I was sitting there drawing, like, you know, this squirrel's holding two apples, you know, <laughs> like for Lakeshore Learning. I never thought I'd be doing like 2001, a space odyssey and stuff. Yeah, so it's, yeah. it's really hard to, to back away from that stuff. But getting so, getting one of these other artists, and I'm pointing to artists in general, um, is almost as hard as doing the poster. It's actually harder than doing the poster yourself. I don't know how Mondo does it. Yeah. <laughs> they deal with so many big properties and all these different artists. It's crazy. No, I mean, artists are fu- are fucking terrible people. <laughs> like, like they, they agree to doing stuff. They, don't, they, they, don't, they're, they agree to doing stuff and then not do it. Um, you have to like, it's like herding a cat around. Oh, uh, yeah. So I don't know how familiar you are with squared code, but we actually started producing like pins and random pop culture. Oh, that's pins. right. Yeah. And then, so on top of that, we do events. Um, we partnered up with the local, not local. I always say that and I feel bad because <laughs> they're not local. It's, it's a movie theater chain that it's starting to grow in the U S. Um, but it's a luxury cinema and we've done a series of events celebrating a significant film anniversary. So part of the event, I have to curate um, an art gallery. So we did last year. We did Aliens' 30th anniversary. We did uh, Lord of the Rings, and then this year we did a Princess Bride for the I think it was 30th anniversary as well. But um, to circle back to what you were saying, I'll reach out to like 50 different artists to try and get them to produce just one piece. And then maybe like 30 of them will say yes. And like 10 will actually produce something. <laughs> yeah. So it's frustrating. Is even with all the people that say yes and like, oh, yeah, I'm totally in on this. You know, you check up with them a week later and they're still responding. And then two weeks later, they just stop responding. And it's like, OK, like what what happened? <laughs> you know, and, and I, I get stuff comes up, but it's, it's just because it gets you all excited. And then, yeah, and then totally. it just comes crashing down when it doesn't happen. Or, yeah. Versus if they were just like, you know, yeah, look, uh, I don't want to work for your piece of shit company. <laughs> it's like, OK, ouch, you know but OK, that's nowhere near as painful as expecting this amazing thing and not getting it. Yeah, that's yeah. funny you say that because Jared actually had that first answer. When I, I reached out to Jared to do something for the aliens show and he 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 had the first response and then 
now he's doing a podcast with me. <laughs> yeah, just took time to uh, trick me uh, completely. Uh, <laughs> yes, artists. Yes, artists are terrible people. For sure, I think it's um, because they we're. Are. I think a lot of artists are good at drawing or they're good at something, and then everything else they're not great at. So like time management <laughs> Man- or yeah, scheduling exactly. things like that, it just falls apart. Oh the yeah, they're not drawing. It just comes with the territory because the, if they're actually good at being dependable or managing their business they would be they would be doctors bankers wall street exactly like that that much like creativity ingenuity just if you can combine that with like good business skills you just you just you would kill like but you know you're yeah you're looking at a person that's just you know that's kind of focusing on their passion instead of all the other crap and 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 unfortunately that that lost cat thing kind of just comes with it (laughs) when i was a working as an art director i would always say i would take a slightly less talented artist if they would just hit their deadlines and i think that that uh that makes such a big difference when you're looking especially when you're out there working uh, looking for a job or working freelance for some of the bigger companies just that responsibility element of it could make Uh, like an even bigger impact than some of the stuff in the portfolio. Oh, and I'm not like, and I'm not knocking them because I'm exactly the same way, but I've just never (laughs) had to be on the other end of it. Like that's that's all this is. It's not like a a holier than thou thing. No, because I'm, I'm literally just exactly that way. My accountant like yells at me (laughs) like every year. He's like, whoa, we had this conversation. And I'm like, what conversation? (laughs) <laughs> and then I, and then I'm like running out of his office because I saw like a ball of string roll by. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah, that's why we have to get people to do it for us. I have someone to do my taxes. I I can't. The minute they start mentioning things like numbers, I start glazing over automatically. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, I wanted to talk a little bit about your style, and I'm sure these are questions that you get uh, quite a bit. And, and so, if you'll humor us on some of these. Sure. Um, I want to first start talking about like what I love about your work is the concept. Uh, and I think that that is so often what is suffering in, in lesser prints is the concept. Um, because I think what you do, you manage to sort of capture something that's not always the obvious thing about the film that you might, uh, someone might think of. I wonder if you could talk a little bit about your process for, for coming up with a concept. Is there a process for you or does it just sort of come when you hear the name of the the property. Okay, so in re- regard to movie posters. Mm-hmm, sure. Yeah, uh, definitely. Actually, no one really asked me about that. Oh, good. <laughs> like, you no, know, yeah, like, um, uh, I guess, like, well, I just, yeah, hmm. I have to, like, collect my thoughts for a second because <laughs> you know, yeah. it's, not, it's not like well, I have like, a list of things that I just do. Like, I just kind um, well, of. A lot of. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I was going to oh, no, buy you some time. Oh no, go, go, um, no, go, go for it. <laughs> I was just going to say uh, that not only your movie posters, but I'm looking at your website right now and all these images that are coming up. Mm-hmm. There's a story there, so you just look at an image instead of just focusing on a character or a specific scene. There's a lot of storytelling being that, that you can find in all of your your images and your posters. Oh, um, thanks. Yeah, I, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I I guess. Well, I guess to, to go back to the thing. Um, okay, so I've collected my thoughts now. Um, okay, great. <laughs> let's do it. <laughs> the first thing I want to do is I, I don't want to make something that looks like, I mean, as much as I can. Uh, I want to avoid making something that looks like everything else that's been put out for that movie. 
Um, sometimes right. I there's it's hard to do because a lot of times they'll be like, "Hey, this movie's not coming out for like two months." And th there's only like a teaser trailer, but you know we need like this epic poster, and I'm just like, Ugh. so uh, <laughs> like I have to like like the hardest one to do was uh, Tomorrowland because they weren't showing anyone anything. Yeah, and I was just like, what's this movie even about? Uh, but Brad Bird was directing it, so I was just like, yes, I'll 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 do it, and <laughs> and uh, yeah, I had to do that one with going on almost nothing except for the teaser trailer. Um, mm -hmm. And so, you know, it, it wasn't, um, uh, yeah, um, it wasn't ideal, but, you know, that's, that's sometimes is a good thing, you know, to mm -hmm. kind of force you to put pressure on you. Um, but then if it's like something that's pretty well established, there's tons of stuff to work from, like 2001, The Space Odyssey. Um, and so, yeah, you just kind of want to make it look different from the things that, um, I guess that's the first goal is to make it look different. And so you don't want to use like the standard photos. Um, so that means like, you know, I look for like sculptures, toys and props, like prop houses that take pictures of the props. Yeah. Versus if you use the press photos, then the, those have been used to death. Mm -hmm. So you want to avoid using the publicity photos by you. I mean me, um, <laughs> uh, I'm describing my own process in the second person for some reason. <laughs> it's okay. Go with it. We love it. Yeah. <laughs> And, and and so and so that's when Kevin decides to use. Um, <laughs> wow, it's going all over. Um, uh, yeah, Kevin doesn't like using press photos. Kevin likes to use uh, <laughs> photos that people don't know. No, um, and so uh, yeah, um, and then once you you know so once you get that, and then you kind of want to like tell the story. And I don't I, like I'm not criticizing these posters, but mm -hmm, I, I don't mm -hmm. think showing like the people's faces, like, uh, like a lot of like the one sheets in movie theaters, like the floating heads doesn't yeah. really tell a story. It just tells you who's in the movie. Right, right. Um, and so, you know, there's many ways to tell a story, like with color, tone, positioning, um, you know, uh, putting certain elements near each other or, you know, uh, mm -hmm. visually connecting certain elements or disconnecting them. Um, even like the format of the poster, uh, like, when I did a poster for gravity, uh, I was right. like, I was like, what's this movie about? I'd only seen the trailer. And I was like, I think I have a feeling this movie is going to be about a heavy theme is going to be the loss of orientation, like not knowing where you are mm -hmm. and just like, just like, cause I got like a headache from watching even like the, the teaser trailer. <laughs> yeah. so, so I was like, all right, well let's make a poster that has no real upper bottom. And it was mm -hmm. advertised that way. Mondo put it out and they're like, we're showing it one way. Cause we have to, we have to put the image on the site but there really isn't a right way. And it was designed so that even the text could read both ways. Yeah. And I signed it uh, at the top and then I numbered it at the bottom, or, you know, I signed it on one corner and numbered it diagonally the other corner. So even that wouldn't serve to orient the oh, poster. Man. Just screwing with everybody's mind on that one. <laughs> it was really cool to see like uh, everyone's photos and people were kind of split on how to, <laughs> on how to frame that, you know, it was, it was really cool really fun, you know, social interactive experiment. And so, yeah, that's, that's kind of my approach, um, to these, to these things. <laughs> and so then when you're doing something like you have these, uh, Greek mythology prints that you did for Comic-Con, um, is that like the concept for that? Where does that come from for you? Is that something that you've been sort of 
mulling over for a while and then it finally takes this form? Or did you sort of set out to do something specifically with mythology? Uh, I don't know. I, I, I have a, like, I have a hard time sleeping like <laughs> a lot. Like, it's not like, even when I'm not on a deadline, I just, sometimes I can't go to bed until like eight in the morning. Mm-hmm. And then like, Jeez. but I'll wake up, I'll wake up at like, but I'll wake up at, I wake up at 11 all the time. doesn't matter. And so I just sit up and read about stuff. And one night I read about, I was like, you know, it was just that thing that, that Wikipedia hole where it's like, huh, is James Woods still alive? And then you're like, eh, <laughs> da, 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 da. it's like, oh, okay. Hmm. Oh, Videodrome. Nice. Uh, <laughs> so reading about Videodrome and it's like, hmm. I wonder if video is like a Latin based word and you read about it and it's like, <laughs> oh, it actually comes from like, like uh, videos, like, oh, from Greek. Huh? I wonder like, oh yeah, I, I, I meant to look up what dryads are. Look up. Oh, that's cool. Huh? I can see I got a good visual image from that. Hey, what's this one dryad? Tithoria? Oh, not much about her. I could be the one to fill in the story. Oh. <laughs> yeah. So it all, it all stems from is James Woods still alive? Oh my gosh. The internet was made for you. Yeah. (laughs) Oh man, totally. He is still alive, by the way. Yeah. That was that was my next question. Thank you for clarifying. Uh, And then, so staying on this before we move on to some of the other things, uh, one of the other things you posted, I think maybe on your, um, gosh, I can't remember it was Instagram or on your portfolio site was a some editorial illustration that you had done, and I I wasn't even aware that that you did much editorial illustration. was that something that you've always done sort of in the background or is that a more recent uh, undertaking? Yeah. Um, I don't know. I never actually thought anyone cared about the editorial stuff because mm. I don't know, like the only stuff, uh, cause what usually when people say like, Oh, your stuff sold out, they're usually just referring to the movie posters. Like, um, like a lot of the mm. art prints, like they sell out, but they don't, they're, they're not overnight sellers, you know? Um, I'm not complaining. It just, it just is how it is. But, uh, so I never thought anyone would really care about that stuff until I posted, uh, like I I hadn't posted anything in a long time and Mm. I was feeling kind of antsy because I was like, Oh, what if people forget about me? And, (laughs) and so I shared this uh, thing I did, uh, uh, for this magazine. I can't remember, uh, open Canada about Mm -hmm. the conflict in Syria. Yeah. That's the one I was looking at. Oh, cool. And then it got like a lot of likes and, but mainly not, uh, but it got a lot of likes as many as like some of the movie posters do. But what mm-hmm. was interesting was how, uh, how it kind of got a lot of discussion going on yeah. about it. Whereas like the movie posters, they'll get a lot of comments, but it's like, yo, Mario, yo, at Mario, uh, likes balls. Like you check this out. <laughs> yo, yo, genie, go out on a date with me. I'll buy this R2-D2 <laughs> poster. It's like, yeah, it's, like, it's more like stuff like that. It's not really any discussion or it's, you know, right. whereas that one was like, oh man, you know, that's really cool. Or, you know, just a lot like actual discussion. And so, yeah, now I just post that stuff more often. Um, Great. So for something like that, do you, what would be the difference in how you would approach something? Like it's a very complex piece. Uh, there's a lot going on in it. I mean, all of your pieces are, have a certain degree of complexity to it. But this one has sort of a narrative complexity. I think that's uh, 
sort which, of uh, which one are you specific referring to? to this uh, the one that you were just talking about the editorial one in open canada the conflict in syria oh right do, do you approach something like that uh differently than than you would say uh, a movie poster or or is the process still the same even though the subject matter is wildly uh, different in tone uh that one's uh, editorials are a little bit different because uh with the movie posters i don't really have like a collaborative art director mm-hmm. um I mean, I have an art director, like, you know, you send it to, to Rob Jones and he's like, that fucking sucks, Kevin. And it's like, <laughs> okay. And then you draw it again and it's like, well, oh, I don't hate it. And then, um, <laughs> but uh, with those ones, you, you actually have an art director and you're showing it to him and he's like, mm, let's do this. Or sometimes you're even working with the writers and they, mm-hmm. and they have their own ideas. So it's a lot more collaborative. So that's, yeah. So I remember, I can't remember, when we were discussing the thing me and the art director uh for the syria illustration i just yeah. i told him before I, I accepted the job i was like i just i i know what's going on in syria i, I really want to showcase the destruction i want to draw lots of rubble yeah. mm-hmm. and i was like i'll do any idea you want but i really want the destruction uh and and the the chaos to be like the focal point of this illustration and he was like cool the article was about um how even after people leave, uh, like these war zones, like if they successfully manage to get out, they don't actually truly get out because they're still they still have relatives there, and so they're experiencing the this uh, all this like mayhem, like like through like a, a digital like means like you know seeing it on the news or or FaceTiming or with like people who are still there or social media or whatnot, and so that's why the woman's holding um, her cell phone. Um, amidst the violence that's it man it's a it's an amazing piece oh Um, thanks yeah so uh, did you have to say mark i'm sorry i didn't i didn't mean to cut you off if you were going uh i was going to move on to something different okay go ahead go ahead yeah i was going to move on so do you want me to move on (laughs) (laughs) for for everybody listening uh i looking at my notes over here and trying to pick the like what's most important because we are we probably have like one more topic left um so oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> this this is something that we've kind of talked about before with other people, but I want to get your take on this, Kevin. Because you do work a lot in pop culture, but you like with the editorial stuff, you you are touching non-pop culture related um illustrations as well. Do you feel like we are potentially reaching a saturation point with with the pop culture art um and collecting? Ah. Uh. You know, I, I, yeah, that comes up a lot, and um, people keep mm-hmm. saying like, "When's the bubble gonna burst?" It and it never bursts. And so, but other, uh, other collectible things have, mm-hmm. like uh, comics, um, like baseball cards. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. the The only thing I could, uh, oh, the only oversaturation I can see is like, there's all these competing companies uh, that are opening up. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I don't know. There's varying levels of quality. I don't think. I think most of them aren't. They're not uh, very good. Um, <laughs> but I think as long as uh, like Mondo, like levels of Mondo or Black Dragon levels of quality are coming out, I think people are always gonna want stuff. Like as long as the movies are popular, people are always gonna want merchandise. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I just think the only way people can get sick of it is if too many of these like little. Uh, like copycat things that aren't doing anything different mm-hmm. um, are are popping up. 
So and so and taking like that into consideration, how does that kind of affect your your work? Like, are you trying to build your own intellectual properties or? Uh, kind of stray away from the the pop culture stuff, so you're not known just as a pop culture artist. Yeah, um, th- that's that's why. Like, I keep trying to. I've been trying more and more to get back into hand drawing again, because mm-hmm. um, yeah, I just I just kind of want to work on my own body of work. Not not in case like I'm not like doomsday prepping in case like this <laughs> in case this whole scene implodes. But I don't know. Yeah, I just I never wanted to be known as the guy that did that one thing. I just kind of wanted to keep trying to push myself. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think um, the movie posters are a go- great way to push myself. But then there's also other ways. It's not the only way. I think there's there's people that are definitely on both sides where you know they they'd be happy to just do pop culture stuff forever. And then there's others that they get into pop culture art to build a following. And then they're trying to strategize and find a way to get out and kind of do their own thing. So it's just interesting to hear different people's perspectives on that, that topic. Yeah. I know people in both camps. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So these are all random questions that I'm going to start throwing out at the end here because <laughs> I want to get them in before we cool. finish up with you. Uh, when you're doing a print, uh, and, and obviously we, whenever artists are working on stuff, we we tend to like what we're doing. Like that's why we're we're going through with the concept. Do you? Does it occur to you when you're doing it, and do you have a sense of what will be popular or say successful? I mean. I'm not talking about just the, you know, the image itself. Obviously, that's that's a, a different kind of call. But as far as the response that you get, whether that's sales or, or, or likes on Instagram or whatever, do you have a sense like, oh, this is going to be popular or is it sort of a mystery every time? Um, I, have, I have a general sense. Um, I'm not as like uh, finely attuned as uh, some other people that are like, you know, the kind of the social media rock stars. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, I'm always you know surprised sometimes because I'll be like, this is this should get a lot, and then things that uh, I didn't think were going to be that big a deal blow up, blow up, and vice versa. Mm-hmm. Um, the thing that one of the things I learned about uh, relating to that was when I when we started doing Inforama, we realized mm-hmm. that uh, despite the fact that people love the infographics, um, it still has to be a functional poster. Like you can't have like the ones that don't do well are the ones that are all spread out with all these tiny images, at mm. least in our stock. So we realized early on that it still has to have a central image that people can read from across the room. And then let's see. I'm sorry, Mark. Go ahead and jump in because I've got I've got a bunch of questions that I <laughs> that I'm going to tear through. So uh, I did want to talk to you a little bit about style before we go because I think that's uh, I would hate to not talk about that with you. Your your style is. Uh, very much yours uh, in a time when a lot of people were going ultra simple, ultra uh, like let's break this down to its um, most basic elements, a real design approach to things. Yours is highly detailed, highly detailed. Um, like how did that approach come about for you? Was that something you developed over time and you kind of took to, or did you kind of always draw this way? Man, I want to talk about, I want to talk about that, that minimalist stuff for a second. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> Like I, I am so glad that that whole fad is on its way out, and it's not because I, <laughs> I hate that stuff. Like I've actually done like a few things that are, you know, and minimalism isn't even the right word. Like, mm-hmm. like, like, like 
I don't know, it's like symbols or iconography, whatever, right. iconic, yeah. whatever, but uh, no one ever did it right. Everyone's copying Saul Bass or like, uh-huh. uh, or uh, like a lot of, well, a lot of them were Ollie Moss wannabes because they saw it as yeah. a way that you could easily, like if you didn't have draw, <laughs> drawing skills, and it's not that. Ollie can draw better than most people like I know. But the reason why you do that is because your idea is so strong that adding any kind of detail would actually take away from it. Like right. it's, it needs to, yeah, right. like it's just, and the thing that a lot of these people didn't realize with their designs where it's like, oh, it's a silhouette of, of, uh, here's an oval, uh, flesh tone. And then, <laughs> and then, uh, and then it's, it's just the, the hero's clothes. It's Iron Man's clothes. Right. But, right. And the thing is, or they'll do like, oh, look, it's, it's like these like sh- shapes or whatever, but like, it still needs to like it lacks the ability to stand on its own because people are, are buying those because it says Iron Man, not because they get the design. Mm-hmm. You yeah. still like, even if you look at some of the best uh, Saul Bass stuff, you could show that to someone who didn't know what the movie was and they'd still be like, this is really awesome. I'd want to buy that. And that's why Saul Bass, like even almost 40 years later, his uh, like all these companies are still using his logo, like, like AT&T, uh, uh, Girl Scouts of America, like all the people who were, they haven't changed logo because they're universal. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, sorry, what was your question? Well, <laughs> no, we can stay on this for just because, like, you did that whole line of unfamiliar objects, which is is sort of a a, a simpler style, uh, less detailed style, maybe than uh, some of these other things that you've done um, more recently, like the movie posters. But there's still uh, great attention to detail in those. Like, I, I feel bad calling it. You know, it's not simplified, like you said. It's it's there's still a complexity to it that I think people miss when they sort of uh, I don't know, just uh, too quickly adopt that that simplistic style. Uh, but my original question was like, did you always draw highly detailed? Was that something that you've always uh, approached with your your artwork, or was that something that you sort of developed and uh, you know made into what it is today? No, like if you looked at if you look at my uh, first like poster work like the band posters like built to spill mm-hmm. i actually i was coming off of doing toy design and right. educational material so it was much more simplified and cartoonish yeah um yeah if you look at all my early posters and a lot of them aren't even on the website because you know who needs it's like it's, it's like it's like photos of yourself when you're going through puberty it's like ugh. <laughs> you know but uh, that's all online because you know it's like the tramp stamp that won't never go away <laughs> uh but yeah, so it was more like that, um, and I think that was mainly because of yeah, just where I was coming from, and mm-hmm. then, uh, but just per on, I think it just matches my personality to make things detailed because I'm very much like a compulsive, like you know, like like noodler, like like over planner and stuff. So I just like, mm-hmm. I like, I really, it really feels good to to just sit there and just like hack away and chip away at something and keep zooming in and zooming out. That's just kind of my personality. Cool. All right. That's great. Thank you. I appreciate you talking about that because it's uh, like I look at I look at your work and um, I just you can stare at it forever because there's so much detail in, in each of these, you know, not only in just the, how you've constructed these things, but in each little, you know, branch or, or uh, section. There's so much to, to look at. And I just I just love that. So appreciate that. Well, before we wrap up, I just wanted to say thank you so much to Kevin for coming on and Giving, uh, taking some time out of his day to talk with us. So thanks again, Kevin. Um, it's been a pleasure. 
for everybody listening that isn't already following you, just to make it easy for you so you don't have to say it, uh, we will leave links to your website and all of your social media so you can go to his store, buy his stuff, and give him a follow. You have anything else you'd like to say before we jump off, Kevin? Uh, uh, thanks so much for having me on here. I really enjoyed talking to you guys. Yeah, I've awesome. always you're always welcome here. So if you ever have um, time in your schedule, let us know. Or if you have something you want to promote, please let us know. We'd love to have you back on. That Star Trek roundtable. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Definitely <laughs> <laughs> yes. All right. So as always, you can find us at Squared Co. That's on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And our website is squaredco.org. Thank you so much for listening. That's it for today. We will see you later. Bye, guys. Thank you for listening to the Squared Co. podcast with Mark Morris and Jared Maruyama. Goodbye.